Welcome to the Enlighten Up podcast. I'm Lisa Watson and will be joined by my co-hosts Nicole Frolic and Brian Koenigberg. The Enlighten Up podcast is a weekly show that provides an unconventional and refreshing spin on spirituality, where three friends and weekly guests share informative, fun, and usually off-the-wall conversations. Unlike others, we provide fringe and skeptical viewpoints on all topics, because our experience has taught us that the echo chamber is a boring place from which to learn. So regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, we can promise you, you're going to find a place to fit in here. So we invite you to grab a drink and listen in on our casual, entertaining, and hopefully enlightening conversation. And Enlighten Up is a self-funded podcast. So if you would like to help us to continue to be able to produce, enhance, and expand the show for our audience, then please send your support using the link in the show notes or go to our website, lightenup.us, and check out our merchandise shop where you can purchase merchandise that will allow you to express some spiritual humor. You may also show your support by leaving us a review on iTunes and following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting us. And now let's jump right into the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Enlighten Up podcast. We are happy to have you back with us. And today, Lisa and Brian and I are joined by Susie Hayes, who is a psychotherapist, clinical hypnotherapist, certified sex therapist, certified life and business coach, master NLP practitioner and speaker. Susie has been in private practice in Denver for over 30 years. She's also authored in an award-winning book entitled Freed from Stuck. This is a practical, easy read to understand the five essential elements required to create and sustain change in every aspect of life, both personally and professionally. And Susie is committed to helping you access internal resources you never knew you had in order to create what you never knew you could. Susie, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you so much, Nicole. This is such an honor to be here. I'm very excited about our conversation today. Well, we're excited to have you on. It sounds like um, you're doing some great work. You've been doing this for a really long time, it sounds like. How did you how did you get started in this work? I began really this work as a psychotherapist when I was in graduate school. I was completing my master's degree in counseling and um, I realized that my life was really not where I wanted it to be. So I went into therapy, into therapy and I found it to be such an amazing experience and so helpful that I decided to stay another year and get an additional master's in counseling. So that is really how I got into the field of psychology. And my interest has always been really in the integration of psychology and spirituality. And why is that? Like, what what is it? Because, you know, not everyone prefers to bring in spirituality to it. But, it, you know, in our opinion here on the podcast, <laughs> it's a great element. <laughs> but not everyone does that. Well, two well, the, thirds uh, of the opinions yeah, two here. Thirds. Yeah, two thirds of us. <laughs> well, I think that it is, uh, it's an understandable blend in the sense that it's really about understanding who we are, and the quality of life that we want to live. And there are people who are very committed to that in their journey without an understanding that is spiritual, uh, that's spiritual. But what I find is that usually people who have a spiritual orientation find the experience of self-growth 
to, I don't want to say be easier, but it, it offers additional resources to them in terms of their own self-understanding. Hmm. Interesting. And, and I would differentiate, as I'm, I'm guessing that you would as well, I would differentiate between uh, religious orientation and spirituality. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we all agree on that. <laughs> That's a given, especially here. <laughs> I agree with you completely, though. It, it does, as far as counseling and coaching goes, it just opens you up to so many more tools in your toolbox. Absolutely. And, and I believe that really what happens for us when we have suffering in our life or our life isn't working the way we want to, we're not accomplishing what we want to, that there is some element, some aspect of that, that is about our being disengaged or disconnected from some aspect of our, what I would call our higher self, our, our core, our essential self our divine nature, however we would language that, that there tends to usually be, maybe almost always, a disconnection from that. And so when people have an orientation or at least a curiosity in that way, it's much easier for them to explore coming into alignment with who they really are and how they want to live their life. How long have you been using phraseology like that, especially higher self, because I don't ever remember hearing this word. And, you know, a, a, I had a big hang up uh, with capital G God and capital C church. <laughs> and it was, it, it didn't seem, it, it seemed like it was either or black or white. You go to church, you don't go to church, you know, God, you don't know God. And now there's this, this higher self idea, this connection with, you know, source. When did you notice that? Or am, am I just so completely out of touch with reality that it was always there and I didn't know it? I think it has always been there in some format. I think the understanding of it conceptually really came out of new thought at the early part of the last century. It's certainly a predominant thinking process with regard to, for example, addictions or the AA movement talks about accessing the higher self as a representation, potentially, uh, depending on how people relate to it, uh, as an image of God. I really understand it to be, my belief is that, that we were never separated from God. We were taught that we were separated from God. And Mm. so I believe that we are created with that energy, which we call divine or God, that is a, a clear understanding and way of being in our lives. Mm. And that our task, part of our task, I believe, is to figure out how to live most consistently from that place. And that that is what brings us joy. That's what brings us contentment. That's what brings us a sense of satisfaction is that we're really what I call living in alignment with our soul's blueprint. You know, I got to jump in here because Brian, your question is so on 
topic and trend right now of what's in the news, <laughs> believe it or not. And when I say the news, I mean like the mainstream news. Uh, you know, when you talk about the higher self, one of the things that spirituality kind of uh, goes a little bit deeper than what religion is, is that our higher self is kind of like equated to like a video game. It's like you're the player of the video game is your higher self and we're the avatars down here on earth. And um, a few days ago, NBC actually put out a whole um, segment um, called The Matrix Like Reality Goes Mainstream. NBC asks, are we living in a simulated universe? And I just think it's really cool that as much as like we do not like the uh, mainstream media here, but they're actually starting to seed people's consciousness with this potential, you know, reality that maybe we're all kind of we're living down here and you know, our realities, we talked about this on our show, our, our, our own hologram projections of what's going on in us. And, and, uh, and, but you know, that our higher self is kind of like, can be, and it's so funny, I actually had this um, download given to me yesterday, last night before I was going to bed, that when you're playing like this video game, and, you know, Brian, you've said before, like, yeah, but I, I don't know what my higher self is saying to me. And how do I know I'm even listening to my higher self? And, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of people question that. And, you know, we see people who seem to sometimes be totally on path and on point. But then we see other people who are just, you can tell, they're just not listening to their intuition. They're avoiding all the signs. They're just completely going off, off track, which again, is still on track. But you know what I'm saying when I say off track? It's like... It's almost as if you, your higher self is the player holding the joystick or whatever it is you want to say to control your, you as an avatar or to help you, assist you as, a, as an avatar, I should say. But whatever connection between you two gets disrupted, it could be like the USB cable, like with your mic earlier, how it was just, you know, going all funny. But there's a disconnect that happens and all of a sudden you can't move the player the way you want and the player starts doing other things and or it's not doing what you hope it would do. It's kind of like I feel like that's what the disconnection can be with um, that sense of like, you know, the disconnect between higher self and self down here. Well, I think that's the ego. The ego comes in and sees things completely differently than the higher self does. So the ego's running the show, and that's where your disconnect comes in. Yeah, I know, and, and but I'm just saying, like from a really like simplistic point of view, even if you don't understand like the ego and all of that, because a lot of people don't, it's like it's just you know you it's just that disconnection from what we call source, God, higher self. It's just that higher sense of intuitive knowing that is just not allowing to come through. And that's kind of what happens on this on this um, playing field, so to speak, when we talk about, do I even know, like, what is my higher self? How do I even know if, if my higher self exists? And how do I know if it's speaking to me or if I'm connected to it? It was just, it's just really interesting. And I think it's really interesting that the mainstream media <laughs> is now starting to seed people's consciousness with this reality. Susie, what's your, your take well, on, on that? Well, I, I think it's a great metaphor. And I had not heard that. I think that's very interesting. I think we're going to see uh, continued informing at a higher level of consciousness, because I do believe that collectively we are progressing forward, even though it might not appear that way. And I was, I was thinking about the, 
your comment, Lisa, about the, the ego. And I am always a bit hesitant about the ego because I think the ego kind of gets a bad rap. Uh, ego was a term that was originally part of Freud's construct of the self, of ego, superego, and id. And psychologically, ego really refers to clinically, particularly, for example, in object relations theory, it refers to the self. And so the actual term of ego, which you know has been used as an acronym of edging God out, and we sort of see it as that part of us that is problematic, I think it's really important to understand that that part has certain limitations, and I think this is what you're addressing. It has certain limitations because of its disconnection with that transcendent, I'm not even sure that's the right term, but that higher self or that source, that energy that is uh the source of creation, and that part of the task is really to work with our ego, and part of what happens for people is that they they want to banish or push away that aspect of their human experience, and part of what I really enjoy working with, with people is learning how to open up a conversation or a dialogue with what you're terming as the ego so as to understand that even that part of the self is created for our own intentionally created for our well-being even though there are certain beliefs or strategies in that part of ourself that we usually acquired when we were younger that no longer serve us they were beliefs that were given to us or experiences that we had where we created beliefs that are more fear-based and that part of what needs to happen is that there needs to be an integration of those aspects of ourself in alignment with our true self or our higher self. That's more of the framework that I, I work with people in terms of creating more internal integration and less internal conflict. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, this will probably surprise a lot of our, our listeners. I'm working with uh, Jessica Alstrom, who uh, my lovely wife works with. And we were just talking about that last week. And this Friday, I'm going to learn how to do that, how to have a conversation with your ego. It was, it was interesting, you know, a lot of my experiences on this podcast, as well as working with, with Jessica or, or any of, of you people, um, <laughs> they're, they're, they're new to me. They're new experiences and so new that I have no idea what you're talking about half the time. Um, and she, I was, I was, we had our meeting last Friday and, and she said something, you know, she, she said almost exactly what, what you were just talking about in, in terms of, you know, how, how, you know, a lot of the ideas are, are seated and, and having that conversation. And then, you know, and, and I listened to it for a while and then it was, it was right about at the end of the time. And I said, just so you know, talking with me is, you know, like, I don't want to say it's like talking with a child because it's not. Um, but it's, I, I just don't, I just don't understand. And, and I said, you're going to have to, 
you're gonna have to you're teach just me. green you're really green explain it to me because i have i hear you i okay but how do i do it so i'm looking forward to that on on friday wonderful Susie, I completely agree with you. I think uh, that's something I discovered a lot on my journey through my early 30s when I was going through a big, you know, self-discovery phase is that the ego is a great teacher if you learn how to converse with it and you learn to not look at it from just a negative perspective, uh, not judging it so much and allowing it to actually teach you and show you Uh, things that perhaps you weren't really willing to look at originally. There's another aspect here that's really, really important, um, which is the inner child. So, you know, from what I understand, the ego is really the protector of the inner child. So, you know, we come here and we're really, you know, we come here connected to our higher selves and understanding exactly who we are. But we're now in this 3D reality where we can't be the full expression of who we are. And we're told we have to do this or we can't do that or stop doing this or, you know, stop basically being who you are. And the ego comes in as a protector and we develop these masks, which is basically our personality that is just there to protect ourselves. And I think get it, the disconnection comes because over the years, you know, especially this zero to seven, uh, time frame when our subconscious is being formed, we're learning that it wasn't acceptable to be who we are and that we have to act differently. We're, we have to please our mother and please our father and we have to, you know, watch the clock and, you know, do all these sorts of different things. We can't play when we want to play. And, and so our personality comes in and that's where I see the disconnect with the higher self. It's, it's a symbiotic relationship that we have to have between the inner child, the ego and the higher self. And we have to know who's talking at what time. So you absolutely have to have a conversation with your ego, but you also have to be in connection and having conversations with your higher self and your inner child because your your ego is incredibly important. Like your inner child just wants to play in love. Your higher self is just, you know, um, has a completely different agenda that sometimes we don't even remember or understand. But the ego is really driving us forward and driving the bus. It's the one that gives us that desire, you know, to really to create and to become something in this world and to leave a legacy and all all that. And without our ego, we really wouldn't be much of anything down here. So it's the ego is definitely important, but you have to know your ego. You have to know when it's talking and you have to really have a full understanding of it. You have to know when to hold them and <laughs> know when to fold them. <laughs> and know when to run. All in the game of life. <laughs> All in the game of life. Well, Susie, you're talking about how like the ego um, is kind of limited, right? It's It's got a limited um, ability. And sometimes those limitations uh, get, uh, give the ego a bad rap, so to speak. But it kind of, I'm assuming that this is what kind of gets people stuck is that limitation. And you've written this book called um, Freed from Stuck. Yes. So take us through how like that book came about. Well, several several years ago, um, I actually had run into a friend of mine and I had said, uh, so what are you doing these days? And he said, oh, I've started a publishing company. 
And I said, oh, that's great. And he said, so would you like to write a book? And I said, there were two things I was never going to do. I was never going to go on and get a doctorate. And I was never going to write a book. And he said to me, if you'll give me an hour and a half, I will find a book in you. And I said, okay, fair enough. I'll give you an hour and a half. Well, after an hour and a half of essentially interviewing me, we came to realize that, in fact, there was a book to be written. And so that's how it came about. And we titled the book Freed from Stuck using the FREED, the F-R-E-E-D, as an acronym for the five steps to becoming and staying freed from stuck. So we use the metaphor of a bridge as a symbol of moving from being stuck to being freed from stuck, and that each of those elements then are uh, represented in that acronym. Walk us through that, the F-R-E-E-D. Okay. The F is for face the bridge. R is for recognize the bridge. E, embrace the bridge. E, exit the bridge. And D, discover your destiny. And each of these elements are required if we're going to build a strong bridge to move from one point in our life where we are not happy to moving to where we are freed from whatever that discomfort or frustration or pain is to the destination of, of where we really want to live. So the first element is face the bridge where we really identify the problem. And there's a difference between the, what is called clinically the presenting problem and what is the real problem. And we want to get to exploring inside of ourselves what really is the problem. And what's important to understand is that we can see problems as being external, which are sometimes very viable. There are certain constrictions, limitations, life experiences, commitments, responsibilities that can be very real in terms of keeping us from getting from where we are to where we want to be. And it's important to understand and appreciate those. However, if we really want to create change, it's important for us to identify what are the internal problems. And the internal problems are best understood as the experience of pain and unmet needs in our life. And usually when we are self-sabotaging, we are procrastinating, we're distracting, whatever we're doing to not reach the destination that we want to be, it usually has to do with some aspect of ourselves that is experiencing pain and most specifically some kind of unmet need. This could be related to fear or guilt or shame. And if we stop and we explore what that unmet need or needs are inside of ourselves, and we attend to those true unmet needs, then that energy that has been protective and distracting and sometimes sabotaging is freed up for us to move forward. 
And so then as we move to the second element, which is recognizing the bridge, this is really about looking over the bridge to the destination of where we really want to be. And it's to ask the question, where am I going? And part of what is important for us to do in that step is to create a vision for the for understanding the experience of our destination that is powerfully magnetic. And we do this with various elements such as uh, creating that vision in such a way that it's, it's uh, vivid, it is descriptive, it's emotionally charged. And there are also other elements that are required in developing that vision, which have to do with connecting that vision with our core values, with what is important to us. If we create that vision in alignment with choices that cultivate self-nurturance, self-love, if we create that vision to be connected with what I call our soul's blueprint, which is in alignment with that internal DNA. It's the kind of structure that has to do with the, the structure of our personality, but it's, it's really a blueprint from which we create our life. The stronger that that vision is connected to those elements, then it becomes powerfully magnetic and makes it much easier to cross over to the other side, to our destination from stuck to freed from stuck. And then the third element of embracing the bridge is really about asking the question, what's unresolved? And this can have to do with past life experiences. It can have to do with beliefs about ourselves, about others, about how the world operates. It has to do with looking at patterns and habits that have uh, developed over time and examining those in such a way to determine what is effective and what is not effective. And it is really about uh, then building a strategy or a structure to move forward. If we do not, however, deal with these elements of past experience or beliefs that no longer serve us or uh, habits or patterns that are no longer working, if we don't deal with that part, but we simply try to dive into a strategy, that is very often where people lose heart and become disappointed because there are these other elements that arise in our human experience from that subconscious or unconscious level. And then the fourth element of exiting the bridge is where we really look at what needs to go. And, and this is probably the least addressed and the most difficult and the least sexy part of this process is that we must be prepared for grief or loss. And very often even examining trauma where we decide and we examine what is no longer serving us and being willing to let go of that. 
And then the fifth element is what I call discovering your destiny as you arrive at your destination. And that part of what is so important to appreciate in the process of change as we're moving from stuck to freed from stuck is that, yes, it is exciting to think about reaching that destination, whatever that goal or accomplishment or change is. But what is equally of value, if not more valuable in terms of what brings us satisfaction in our lives is the discovery of our destiny. And by that, I mean the discovery of who we are, the discovery of our purpose, of our passion, of what fulfills us and satisfies us. And we discover that in this journey of crossing the bridge. And then when we arrive at the destination, it's so important to celebrate our accomplishment, to celebrate our arrival, knowing that there will, of course, be another bridge and then another bridge and another bridge in the expansion of our human experience. And part of what is very, very important in being able to not only stay at our place of destination, but to build upon that and expand upon it is to develop a system of accountability. And that is really about finding someone in our life who is available and non-judgmental, uh, who is supportive, who can be honest with us and really encourage us to continue to do what we need to do to maintain that quality of life and to also build upon that and that we are never in our life journey meant to live or accomplish anything in isolation. That is part of our human experience is to do it in, in relationship with others. So those are really the five elements and people can certainly cross a bridge without those elements, but it can be much harder and we are much better guaranteed success and satisfaction in our life if we really attend to all of these elements. That was a really long answer to that question. Wow, that's, I, that's really impressive. How long did it take for you to come up with, with that ideology? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this is something that you developed throughout your career, maybe not even intentionally since, since, you're, uh, since your colleague coaxed it out of you to write the book. You know, that is a great question. I didn't know this was all in me until I actually wrote the book. And I wow. went, wow, I think I've cracked the code on this. Wow. <laughs> it's a great roadmap. It really is. And um, so yeah, I was thrilled when I, when I was able to put all of these elements together and see it as really a comprehensive understanding of the change process. Yeah, you, you touched on so many points that are just so important. A, a couple really stuck out for me, one, one being the, the trauma piece, you know, and have, going places that are kind of scary and knowing that you're going to have to let go of certain pieces of yourself. You know, and I think a part of that I see as, you know, the is the ego. It's the part of you that was there protecting you. Um, and you, when you go back and you're healing those, 
those wounds that you were protecting yourself from, you realize that you don't need that behavior anymore, you know, and that you can let that go because you're, you're safe to let that go. And I think that's really scary. I, I see that a lot in, in the colleagues that I'm working with in my, my teacher, uh, trainer colleagues and, and we coach each other. And, and I just, it's just a, a theme throughout all of us as we're, we're doing this self work that when you start to get to the point where you're really having to say, you know what, this, this part of me no longer serves me. I don't, I don't need this anymore. That seems to be the hardest piece to let go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and part of it, I think Lisa is that we are designed in such a way to avoid grief because grief is so difficult. It is so painful. And I have always said that grieving is the most difficult human task we ever do. And so we instinctively try to push against that because it really, it really can be hard. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do the hard things. And that's why you said, you know, your second E exiting the bridge, it's, it's not the sexy part. It's probably the most valuable part, but it's hard and dirty work and nobody wants to do it. And what we resist persists. You know, we don't want to look at those parts. We don't want to feel those parts. We don't want to go there. And that's what will continually persist and show up in our lives as an opportunity for us to go back and, and heal those wounds. You know, and, and you said something else that I think is also crucial that, that people understand. It's that healing happens in safe relationships. You know, mm-hmm. and that if, if you really want to make changes and strides in your life, you have to let go of toxic relationships and you have to find someone that you, you feel very safe with, whether it be someone like yourself that's a coach or you know, a partner or a friend, you know, you have to have somebody to converse with where you feel safe that can hold space for you. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's a very delicate process. And I love the idea of, you know, when you cross the bridge and you come to your destination, the landscape is completely different now from where you first started. And so this new landscape that you're looking out upon provides a new journey, a new um, map of discovery of self that you wouldn't be able to reach until you crossed that bridge. And so it's interesting how you want to uh, pursue, uh, help your clients pursue this desk, this, um, sorry, this journey of freed from stuck over and over because it's always something else that comes up after that. The, the, the complete landscape changes and you never would know what's there until you cross that bridge. And so it's, it's a beautiful uh, journey. Yes, it is. And, and as we're saying, it's, it's not always easy, but it is well worth it. It is really well worth it. Oh my God. I completely agree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we all had to sit on that one for a second. You know, is this really worth it? Or no. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of shadow hunting, I call it, and some deep digging. And, you know, it's um it's hard. It's very, very hard work because you I, I've been going to places and and really just allowing myself to feel things that are hard to feel taking full responsibility for them, 
looking at them, really looking at how it's affecting my life, you know, what I'm creating in my life because of these things that I'm holding on to. And it's not, it's not pretty, but as you continue to go through the work, it, you just start to feel lighter. You start to feel more empowered. You start to feel like you have more control over your life. You start to understand the voices in your head a little better when, you know, for me, I've, you know, broken it down to the ego, my higher self and my inner child. And now that I know who's talking to me, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. That's why I can have two completely contradicting thoughts in three seconds. Please. You know, and 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 I'm a bright light, and I cast a lot of shadows. <laughs> He's he triggers me plenty, but it, only because I'm a bright light. He gives me plenty of opportunities for self. Susie, Susie, yes. I'm um, I'm curious in your uh, practice as you've been taking a lot of your clients through this journey um, of crossing the bridge and exiting the bridge you know, you talked about grief being one of the hardest um, emotions and experiences to deal with. Is there anything in particular that you find people have the most grief over? Like, what is it that many most, I mean, I know it's not the same thing over and over, but there must be something that's coming up more often than not with people. That's a, that's an interesting question. My, my first thought on that is that the grief that is most deep is regret. That they wish that they had not made certain choices or they wish they had made certain choices. They understand the impact of, of their choices and there is uh, pain in that. And it's sometimes they have to grieve what they wished would have been, perhaps how they wished their parents to have been, how they wished that they uh, could be. Sometimes it's grieving for beliefs uh, that they, they have to give up certain beliefs of how the world ought to be rather than considering how to live with the world as it is. I, I think all of those are sometimes really difficult things for people to embrace, to examine, and ultimately to, to grieve. Hmm. That makes sense. I mean, we live in this world where we believe time is finite or like time exists, period. Um, and that, you know, you only have one one chance. <laughs> and uh, I can see how, you know, letting go of some of those things of what you wish could be, especially like with your parents, when I think I can think about with my dad, how I used to wish that he had been a certain way with me, you know. Um, and I think one of the things I had to work on in my 20s, with my, um, my naturopath at the time, she was helping me with this, was understanding that he was just doing the best that he knew how and that, you know, he had his own struggles and that played in a role. And I think we sometimes get lost or caught up in 
our side of things only and not see the bigger picture and all the other elements that come into play, all the different variables, all the different influencers of why everything is the way it is. And when you have an understanding of all of those different aspects, I think it becomes a little bit easier to let go and to um, let that grieving process pass through. Yep. What I, I see happening sometimes also is that I'll just call it like we spiritually bypass things where we look at, you know, it's like the, the first stage, I guess, where you go back and you look at your childhood, you look at the way, you know, your dad was or your family situation and you wish that it were better. And then you justify it and you understand it and you kind of make peace with it. But if we don't, actually go back and feel it and allow ourselves, like you said, to grieve over it and actually get, you know, like pay attention to what, you know, where I say develop that relationship with your inner child and heal, heal your inner child, like allow your inner child a voice, allow your inner child to say, this kind of sucks. Like this hurt me and this didn't feel good. And, and really, don't just bypass it and say it is what it is or, you know, and not allow yourself to truly process those emotions and heal that trauma through, through grief. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's important to not have pre, uh, premature forgiveness. Uh, sometimes we need to really be able to be with that anger, that disappointment, that loss, not to, cultivate that but to honor it and appreciate it and then be able to let it go and so yes i think you're right we try to bypass it or we try to sort of sugarcoat it in some sort of spiritual practice uh, but you're absolutely right we need to stop and attend to the needs of that part of ourself you describe it as the inner child and to honor the losses and the impact of that so that there can be a sense of peace and healing and safety in the present so that we can then forgive and let go. Absolutely. And I think if, you know, for me, because that's a lot of the work that I've been doing that I find has been extremely helpful but I think sometimes we think, okay, I don't want to come from a place of ego. You know, I'm not just wanting to blame my parents or blame my life. You know, I want to be bigger and better than that. But we still have to, you know, you're not coming from a place of ego when you're coming more from a place of, of observation and feeling, you know, and just saying, I, I'm going to just allow myself to be angry. You know, I'm going to like write that letter to my, write a letter to my mom of everything I've wanted to ever say to her. Maybe I'm never going to give it to her, but it's just like, I need to release it. I need to get this out of me. I need to have a tantrum. I need to scream. I need to do what it was that I was never able to do and, and just truly honor myself in how I actually feel. And it's, that has just been a really big turning point for me because I've done a lot of you know, self-work and discovery over the years. And until I really started to dive into that and allow 
what I call, you know, my inner child to have her voice and to have her tantrums and to just say, this is how I feel. Um, I didn't really, I haven't noticed. I mean, I have noticed just such a big change very, very quickly when I started to mm -hmm. do that. Yes, because you're honoring those experiences and you're giving a voice to it, to that aspect of yourself. And that is the, the path to healing, is that what we most long for is for our pain and our fear to be heard and to be understood. And once that happens, once that takes place in relationship with someone that we trust, then we no longer have to respond or react to life from those wounded places. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is where the ego comes mm -hmm. in. You know, the one that's protecting you and responding to protect you and protect you from feeling those things again. Yeah. yeah. And it's what true maturation is. You know, the, the, the internal experience is where certain aspects of who we are got frozen, essentially. And we find ourselves reacting to life out of those um, those aspects of ourself that are, you know, two or four or seven or 13 or whatever. And we realize that, that in certain ways, those parts of ourselves uh, got frozen, that they weren't allowed to develop, de developmentally mature. And that I think is part of our psychological and spiritual process is the maturation and the expansion beyond those ways of experiencing life. I have this, I have this magnet. I don't know where it is. Maybe I don't have this magnet. Anyway, that doesn't matter. I have this magnet. It says you only grow up once, but you can be immature forever. Did your ex-wife buy you that and put it on your refrigerator? No, no. Um, <laughs> a, a, a young girl who I used to babysit because I'm a big kid. <laughs> well, you know, well, she gave that to like you? you, though, is the part that is most connected to your essential self. Mm -hmm. It's really the socialization process that takes us away from who we really are. And socialization is necessary, but it is that process that very often creates some of our deepest wounds. You're so absolutely right. I've, I've spoken about this several times on our podcast, but I homeschooled my two sons and one of, and I did it when it was not very popular back in the early, you know, in the nineties. And it was just kind of starting out. And people would always ask me, oh, aren't you worried about their socialization? And and I used to get really excited and I would say, oh, yes, that's exactly why I homeschool my kids. I am very concerned about their socialization. And, and after actually homeschooling my kids and observing them, I realized that keeping them, they're keeping some of the social aspects of their lives like school and you know, being told how they have to fit into a box or, or, you know, act like everybody else or look a certain or way. look a certain way because they didn't actually go to school until they were in high school. 
they became just such, they were just such well-adjusted children that have, you know, as adults, they're just, they're very grounded. They know who they are. They're focused on their needs and wants and not everybody else's. And, you know, so when you said that about how socialization really kind of, it's necessary, but it, it does cause a lot of trauma. Um, you know, it's because like what I was saying earlier, you know, we come here understanding and really connected to our higher selves, but it is, it is having to live in a family and having to socialize, you know, outside your family and your community and your neighborhood and your school that is telling you, you know, you can't be who you are. This is, you know, you have to read at this rate, you have to put this round block in this round hole. And, you know, you, you can't be self-expressive. You have to be like everybody else. And I think a lot of trauma comes from that. And you're taking on the responsibility for their educational process with such an opportunity to cultivate in them a connection with really strong core values. And as you mentioned that, a grounded sense of self in terms of what is really important to them and what is their life purpose and what is it that provides satisfaction and all of that that really comes from internal awareness without the distraction of uh, what's everyone else doing? What, yes, what everyone else is doing, but also certain belief systems that are counter to really living from your your true inner self. So what a great opportunity and a wonderful gift that you gave to your children, as you said, that is, is so foundational and will serve them the rest of their lives. They have such an advantage in that way. And uh, you are to be commended for that. That is, uh, that was wisdom on your part in terms of really providing for them solid preparation and guidance in, in their developmental process. Well done. Divine intervention. Oh, (laughs) well, a lot of people homeschool now and you know, it's just a thing because it makes sense. I mean, it's crazy to to send your kids into war well, that's true. <laughs> at age four. <laughs> yes, but you're, you're talking about something more than just homeschooling because we know that there are those who are homeschooled that are not prepared socially or how to interact in the world. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's beyond just homeschooling. It's about that you were very attentive to them in their own individual way of showing up on the planet and you were sensitive to supporting that and and helping them express that in ways that were expansive rather than constrictive and and that's far beyond homeschooling that really has to do with a deeper level of parenting yeah if you weren't quasi grounded or or semi you know well adjusted they wouldn't be true the the apple doesn't fall far from the tree i've noticed that i noticed that a lot when i was around parents and children 
That being said, just because we are not that far from the tree doesn't move that we can't move away from the tree and expand outwardly. Yes. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, to, to stay with that, to stay with that metaphor, some plants, uh, you know, the, the seed flies away and, and can be planted, you know, miles and miles away from, from the parent. Well, and, and that just goes in line with all that we've been talking about. I mean, that's a belief that you may have, and that's something that you need to explore if things aren't working out in your life and you're not manifesting and, and deliberately creating the life that you want. You know, maybe you're held to this belief that you are like your parents or, you know, I've discovered things in myself that blow my mind just recently, like how I behave in a certain way. And then I'm like, you know, or I feel even a certain way. And I'm questioning, like, why do I feel this way? And I've realized, wow, I'm just channeling my mother, like that, that was a learned behavior. Like, this is how she reacted to things. And this is how she felt and responded. And I observed it from, you know, obviously as a young child and, and here I am in my fifties and I'm realizing, wow, I'm, I'm acting like my mother and, and making a decision to say, you know what, that's not who I am. Like, I don't need to do that anymore, but it takes a, you really have to observe yourself and be willing to be completely and brutally honest with yourself and, and take full responsibility for everything that you think, feel, and do just to really see those patterns. Yes. It is scary when you, when you hear your mother's voice emerge out of your own mouth, it's like, Oh my God, did I just like say that? Right. It's, it is kind of, uh, it could be kind of frightening when you first begin to become conscious of that. I also think another piece of that is that it is, much easier for us to disengage from those patterns, those reactions, when we're spending time getting to know who we really are. And, and when we have this experience of, oh, that's who I am. I am not my mother. This is what is of value to me. This is these are my strengths. This is what's important to me. This is where my passion and purpose is. And the clearer we become about who we are in our essential state, the easier it is to no longer default to those responses. Yeah, it takes it takes a very deep sense of awareness because the behaviors can be very subtle is what, what I'm learning and observing in myself that it's not necessarily that, you know, I, I said something out loud that sounded like my mother, but it just, it may be even just a feeling or this underlying belief or a thought that I have, like that I, that I believe that I have to be upset. Or, you know, I believe that I have to feel sad in certain circumstances. And when then I start to look at the circumstances and I wonder why I, why I'm just feeling sad and I observe it, I'm like, well, that was just a learned behavior. Like, I don't have to feel sad over this. I can choose to be happy. Yes. Kind of like the belief of, um, uh, I love you, therefore I'm anxious about you. 
Sure. I mean, that's a, sometimes we experience that a good parent is anxious about their child. And so it's like, well, because I love you, I'm anxious. Well, no, you're anxious because you're anxious and it doesn't really have to do with right. love. But if that was our experience and, and very often people who have high levels of anxiety, they were suckled on anxiety and, and they sure. learned that. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right that it can be very subtle and it can be about uh, it can be about our beliefs that we absorbed literally from a port, important uh, uh, important uh, important authority <laughs> figures. <laughs> it's usually Brian making the silly noises on this show. So, I didn't want to take that away from he you. He brings in silliness. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Susie, for being on the show. We really appreciate you coming on. Where can our listeners uh, find your book if they're interested in reading it? The book is on Amazon. There's also a companion workbook uh, that I published just about, uh, well, I guess, now two years ago. So that is also available on Amazon. And uh, you can find me on the internet at uh, freedfromstuck.com. Oh, awesome. Great. Well, that sounds great. Well, that's a great roadmap. We appreciate you sharing that with all of us. And uh, it's definitely some great uh, information to help everyone. And uh, we'll leave all of your information in the show notes uh, of this episode. So if any of our listeners out there are interested, uh, you can uh, find all that information in the notes. Thanks so much, Susie, for being on the show and a lot of uh, success we hope comes your way. You've got some great information to help many people. Yeah, that was a great conversation. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. I love your roadmap. I think it's, I mean, it's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's been a delightful conversation as I had anticipated. <laughs> well, thank you thank you so much Susie and thank you to all of our listeners who've uh, joined us once again uh, please stay tuned we'll be back with you again next week thank you all for joining our show we appreciate you tuning in and supporting us if any of you have any questions you would like answered on the show or any guests that you would like to hear on our show please email that information to us at info at enlightenup.us or send us a voice message using the anchor app there's a super cool feature on there that allows you to send us a message or ask us a question with a touch of a button right from the app. And please continue to support us by following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you haven't checked out Nicole's channel on YouTube yet, head on over there for some more insight from her. Or you can visit her website, inflexibleme.com, where you can book a personal coaching session or a tarot reading, watch some of her most informative videos, or you can sign up for her newsletter. And if you're interested in some light language healing, head to my YouTube channel, Lisa Loves Love, or send me an email to lisa at lisaloveslove.com to inquire about your own personal reading. Thank you again for joining us and supporting us, and we'll be back with you all next week.